sometimes we get so distracted by the trivial that we can miss out on, our, on what is really important in our lives. In many ways, this has always been the case. In the days before mobiles and tablets and computers, and before Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, before online shopping and instant streaming, people all were still filled that nagging emptiness in their hearts with meaningless stuff and trivial distractions. But in our generation, the temptation and the opportunity to pack our lives full has never been greater. We can be filled with so many different activities and so many different things whenever we want, whatever the time of day or night, that we can avoid feeling that unpleasant hunger in our hearts and in our minds. But if we do, then we will miss out on the only thing that we were truly made for. And only the, the, truly th- the only truly thing that will ever satisfy us. That growing and deepening relationship with the Father. And so maybe more than ever before, we need to learn about what Jesus spoke about in this next section of the Sermon on the Mount. Before Easter, we, we looked at two acts of righteousness. That Jesus said that we should do privately so that the Father in heaven will reward us. Remember we were looking at giving to people in need in a private way. And then we are also thinking about spending time alone in prayer with God. But Jesus' third example of this is the spiritual discipline of fasting. Of choosing to be hungry so that God can fill us. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 down to verse 18. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. Again, these are the words of Jesus. When you fast, do not look look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Fasting is, is in its basic form abstaining from food for a, for a short period of time. In the law of Moses, there was only one fast commanded for the nation of Israel. And that was on the annual day of atonement. It says on the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work. Because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. That was the day when the high priest went behind that curtain that Lorna was telling us about to atone for the sins of himself and also the nation of Israel. But in the Old Testament there were other times when individuals or groups of people fasted. 
Usually it was just at, at crucial times of, of danger or desperation or repentance. And some of these instant, instances in the Old Testament became annual fasts to commemorate events in the life and of the history of the nation of Israel. For example, to commemorate the capture of Jerusalem. There was a fast on that day. And so by the time of the exile, the people of Israel kept four annual fasts. Zechariah talks about them, the fasts of the, the fourth, fifth, seventh and tenth months. But by Jesus' time, the Pharisees had gone beyond this. They fasted twice a week, each Monday and Thursday. And it became part of what they thought made them right before God. In Jesus' parable, you'll remember about the Pharisee who went into the temple and stood and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and get a tenth and give a tenth of all I get. And most of us also will be aware that Jesus fasted. At the start of his ministry he was led by the Spirit into the desert and after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights it says, not surprisingly, he was hungry. As if you could fast for 40 days and 40 nights and not be hungry. But that was a crucial part of Jesus preparing for the demands and the, and the challenges and the temptations of his ministry that was ahead of him. And so we could have expected that fasting would also be an, an important part of the training program of Jesus' disciples. But that wasn't initially the case. One day, John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus and asked him a question. How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? They were confused about why, if the Pharisees and John believed that fasting was so important, then why didn't Jesus teach his disciples to do that? Well, part of Jesus' answer was that he hadn't come to follow the religious practices and the rituals of the past. He pictures it in, John, in Matthew chapter 9 and 16 with this. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Then he talks about don't, don't pour new wine into old wineskins because it will, they'll cause them to burst. Jesus was saying that his teaching couldn't be patched into the old garment of the Jewish religious life. His new and complete revelation of God couldn't be poured into the structures of the religious system of the past. They couldn't cope with it. Instead, he came to bring a brand new way to God. And a new life with God. That would need to be expressed in a new way. 
And I think this principle is so important for us to grasp in so many areas of our Christian life. Because it means that we need to be really careful when we read in the Old Testament. So that we don't wrench it out of context and force it upon the church. Because we are living under a new covenant. And with a new relationship with God. That has come through Jesus' death and his resurrection as we've been remembering in communion. So we're not called to live like the people of Israel. We're not forced into following their practices and their ideas. But the other part of Jesus' answer was that this was the wrong time for fasting. He says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? For now, Jesus was with his disciples and so they had no need of fasting. No need of the spiritual discipline to help them to draw near to God. Because they had the bridegroom, the Son of God, right there with them. But Jesus went on to say, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Soon Jesus would no longer be physically with them as he was right then. And then at that time, they will fast. And so here in this Jesus Sermon on the Mount, Jesus assumed that his followers will fast. He says, when you fast. Not if you, but when you. Assuming that this is going to be part of his followers' experience as they go on to live for him. So we don't need to follow the traditions and the rituals and the practices of the Old Testament believers. Neither do we need to submit to the expectations and demands of others in this regard. But in this time of the physical absence of Jesus, sometimes we will fast. But the focus of Jesus' teaching here is really about how and why we should do this. Verse 16, when you fast... Do not look somber, as the hypocrites do. Remember, as we've seen before, the hypocrites were those who put on a mask, who stepped into character and pretended to be something that they were not. And so when he did these acts of righteousness, they were only pretending to honour and to worship and and to respect God. But in reality, they were just showing off in front of others. They were just performing to the crowd. So when the hypocrites fasted, they made sure that everybody knew that they were fasting. They disfigured their faces to show men that they are fasting. They went about looking pale, undernourished, hungry. Just make sure that everybody would know that they're fasting and they're going without food at that moment. So that they would applaud them for their religious devotion. But the problem was, Jesus said, that's all they get. They have received the reward in full. 
In the same way as those who blew their own trumpets when they gave, or who stood in the front of everybody to pray. The reward will only be the empty applause of others, or the short-lived and false admiration of the crowd. And that's Jesus' warning throughout the whole of this section of the sermon, isn't it? That it's possible to actively engage in giving, in praying, in fasting, in worshipping, in Bible reading, on any other Christian activity or ministry. But because of the motivation of our heart, that could be empty, that could be meaningless, and that could be ultimately worthless in God's sight. Because God isn't impressed by the outward. Because God is looking at the heart. So it isn't enough just to go through the motions of religious activities and rituals. It's not just enough to turn up at church and sit at the seat and sing out the songs. That's not what God is looking for. If we want our life to please the Lord, we need to live genuinely for Him with a sincere desire to honour him and not ourselves. And so Jesus encouraged his followers to fast differently from the hypocrites. He said, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your, your face. Now, this isn't probably about doing something special. This is about doing the ordinary things that people would normally do. Jesus was assuming that people would put oil on their head, which was the the normal way for them to cope with the the, the dryness and the heat in that day. And they would wash their face most days anyway. So if we put it into our culture, we would say, have a shower. I hope we sometimes wash. Or have a shave, or brush your hair, or put on your makeup, or do whatever you do as as your normal, everyday things you would do. Don't look differently from usual. When you're fasting. Don't dress differently. Don't, don't uh, look differently. Don't try and put on an act. So that nobody would know that you're fasting. That's not because we're embarrassed or ashamed to do it. Rather it's because people don't need to know. Because it's not about doing it in front of them. When we fast, we fast between us and God. And so Jesus said that when we fast, we should keep it secret. So that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. Keeping it secret saves us, it protects us from the temptation to pride and to boasting. And it will help us to keep that pure heart and that genuine motivation and that clear focus. And when we do that, Jesus said, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There is a reward when we honour God in this way. Now this isn't about earning brownie points with God. Fasting does not merit righteousness. It doesn't make us right with God. It doesn't bring us into God's family. 
Remember the Pharisee at the temple? In Jesus' parable that we mentioned earlier? He fasted twice a week. And yet it was the repentant tax collector who went home justified before God that day. And not the Pharisee. Fasting does not bring us into a different relationship with God. It doesn't make us right with God. We need to be absolutely clear about this. Fasting does not earn brownie points with God. Instead, this is about the fact that there's a real blessing in true fasting for us. There is a wonderful reward that is consistent with the aims and the purpose of this. So what is that reward? Why should we at times fast? Well, first of all, I want to say it's not for health reasons. The purpose of fasting is not weight loss. It's not Christian dieting, okay? Nothing wrong with going on a diet if that's what we want to do. But this is not the purpose of it, okay? But fasting does help us to learn how to control our basic desires. So that other things and other desires don't control us. In this way, it does help us to avoid the excesses of greed or gluttony or other human passions that could drive us and control us. It helps us to develop the ability to deny ourselves. And of course, self-denial is an important part of what it means to follow Jesus. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew 16? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This doesn't mean that we need to live a kind of ascetic life. That we need to reject all of the blessings and all of the the comforts and all of the nice things that God provides. And live a kind of harsh and, and difficult life. That's not what Jesus is talking about here at all. It was the the false teachers, the ones who had gone away from God, that Paul warned Timothy against. Because they were forbidding people to marry and ordering them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving. It's not wrong as Christians to enjoy our food, to share it with each other, to celebrate, to give thanks as we sit down and have a meal together. There is nothing inherently spiritual about being hungry or being uncomfortable or about being unhappy. And so certainly we never should fast in a way that is dangerous to our health. But it does mean that we're committed to putting to one side what we want or what we feel like And instead, putting what God wants first in our lives. Fasting is one of the ways that we learn to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. It's about putting God first, rather than putting ourselves and what we want and what we feel like first. 
And in the Old Testament, fasting is often associated with repentance and mourning over sin. I guess the most memorable example of this, the one that kind of sticks in my mind, is, is when the people of Nineveh, they responded to Jonah's warnings of the fact that in, there was, in 40 days, God's judgment was coming. And the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them put on sackcloth. All of them expressed that total commitment to being sorry for their sin and repenting against the way of life that was bringing that that judgment upon them. It's not that fasting earns forgiveness. We can't earn forgiveness. God's forgiveness is always a gift of his mercy and his grace. But fasting is about humbling ourselves before God. Deliberately putting ourselves in that place of weakness and need to express the depth of our sorrow over our sin and the sincerity of our desire to change, to turn away from it and be right with God. It's saying our desire to be right with God at that moment is greater than our desire to eat. To feed ourselves. To look after ourselves. But fasting isn't only associated with repentance. It's also associated with other times of seeking God's help. It can help us to prepare for ministry. Like with Jesus. In the desert. It can also help us as we seek to to determine God's will for ourselves. As individuals or as a church. It was while the leaders of the church in Antioch were worshipping and fasting that God spoke to them through the Holy Spirit and told them to set apart Barnabas and Paul for their missionary work. And it says in Acts 13, So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Fasting can help us to connect with God And experience his presence. And hear his voice. But when we start to think about that. I think we need to be very careful in this. I think we need to get the right balance when we're thinking about fasting. Because sometimes people will imply. That we will not get the answer that we want in our prayers. Unless we fast. It is that they, they suggest that fasting is the key to effective prayer. In Mark 9 and 29, Jesus said about an evil spirit, this kind can come out only by prayer. And some of the older translations of the Bible include the words, and fasting. And so some people believe that means that if we really need, if we really come across a really big issue in our life, a really difficult thing to to cope with, a a difficult problem or issue, to get a real answer to prayer, then we need to fast. Now apart from that other translation not being really... not being supported by the best Greek manuscripts. It's really, it seems to be an addition to what the Bible says rather than the accurate translation. That idea doesn't really stack up, I don't think at all. Are we suggesting that God can answer our prayers when we pray in an instant situation? 
when we're faced with an instant problem and we pray instantly to God, can God not answer that prayer before we go away and fast for a while? Or are we suggesting that Jesus' prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane were less powerful because of the fact that he'd just eaten the Passover meal with his disciples? Are we saying God wasn't listening to those prayers because he wasn't fasting at the time? And if fasting is the key to effectiveness in prayer, then why, when the rest of the New Testament teaches about the importance and the power of prayer, does it never mention the need to fast? So I think what we need is a really careful balance here. On the one hand, fasting is not a prerequisite to effective prayer. The Bible doesn't say that. It is not the key to getting what we want. In the end, after all, prayer is not about getting what we want. It's about getting what God wants for us. But on the other hand, it can be one of those spiritual disciplines that helps us to connect with God in our lives. Anna, the prophetess, is, is one of the best examples of this. She was an 84-year-old widow when she met Mary and Joseph when they're presenting their baby, Jesus, in the temple. And Luke says of her that she never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. That was part of her life with God. It was part of how she connected with God and listened to God and was ready to welcome that baby into the world. And so fasting can be simply about taking time out of our usual and the regular things of our lives to humble ourselves before God and to focus on spending time alone with Him. It's about removing the distractions of our lives so that we can really connect with God. In that way, maybe when we think about fasting, we need to think about more than just food as being a distraction. Maybe we need to think about fasting from TV or radio or from social media or from maybe some of the other distractions that come into our lives just so that we can spend for a, a period of time a more focused time focusing on God and listening to Him. But there's one other aspect of fasting that I would like to mention before we finish. It is that fasting isn't just about focusing on God. There's an aspect of fasting that's also about focusing on other people. As we deny ourselves, we can express our connection with those who are forced to go hungry and also share with what we have with them. Isaiah 58, the people of Israel were complaining that God didn't notice their fasting. But God replied that he saw what they were doing, but that he wasn't pleased with them. Because in the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all of your workers. They were showing absolutely no compassion to the poor. They were taking advantage of the poor in their society, oppressing them, putting them down and thinking that God would just be all encouraged and and focused and, and, and pleased with their fasting before him. 
And so in that chapter, God suggested a different kind of fasting. He says this in in chapter 58, verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? This is a kind of fasting that honours God. So if we take this as a principle, then I think we can apply this to many different aspects of our lives. We fast when we choose to do without. Whether it's food, whether it's an expensive meal, whether it's decide that we're not going to buy that new set of clothes, or that upgrade of the phone, or that more expensive car. When we choose to in some way do without, so that we can save the extra expense that we would pay for those things, and pass that on to those who are in desperate need. In this way, fasting could be a lifestyle choice. We could choose to lower the level of our lifestyle. Give up some of those luxuries that we have in our lives. So that we can use what we save to express God's love to people in desperate need. And if we do that, then we will be rewarded. As Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because we'll have the joy of helping others. We'll have the increased opportunities to serve. We'll have increased freedom from materialism and that pull of the money that pulls us away from God and, and to focusing on ourselves. And we'll have the joy of hearing our Lord declare, Well done. Good and faithful servant. And so we don't need to follow the example and the practices of the Old Testament believers. This isn't about imposing the fasts that they did and making them a a ritual or, or a habit in our lives. And we certainly shouldn't follow the example of the hypocrites in publicizing our fasting to show off in front of others. If you come in to church next week and show off and tell everybody, I was fasting this week and look at it, then you've kind of lost the point of this. Okay. But fasting can and perhaps even should be part of our Christian lives. And when we do, Jesus promises that we will be blessed by God. Because he will develop that fruit of self-discipline in our lives. He will enable us to express true repentance. He will free up our resources so that we have what we can to share with others. But most of all, He will connect with us as we spend time with Him in prayer. Fasting is about choosing to be hungry. Refusing to fill our lives with the temporary and the trivial. So that God can fill us.